But today we're beginning a brand new series of messages. This is just a two part series. So it's kind of like a mini series and uh, it's called Move by Mission. And I want to explain not only what this series is about, but why it's going to be beneficial to you, because if there's one thing I want you to understand about our church and one thing I want you to know when you come here and you engage with the ministry here is that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He, he really does. And, and you need to understand everything God creates, he, he does to solve a problem and serve a purpose. And so he, he's made you, you're not an accident. Your existence is not like a, a series of random circumstances and events. Even if you think it is, you need to know that he created you. And because he created you, he has a purpose and a plan for your life. You could say he has a mission for your life. He has a mission for your life, regardless of what your situation looks like currently, his plan and his call for you have not changed. They have remained the same. And if you're wondering what that plan is, I'll just give you a little hint because I'm going to talk more about that next week. But if you're wondering what it is, I'll tell you this, it involves other people. It's crazy when you realize that God's plan for you isn't really about you. It's about others. And I'll talk more about that next week, but that's why every week we take some time to emphasize community at this church, what it is and how we do it, prioritizing the weekend, gathering in groups, being a part of teams, because you'll never experience everything God has for you just in isolation by yourself. So my goal with this series is to give you some insight into what it means to be moved by mission, because for most of us, the idea of mission is either intimidating or irrelevant. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean, because most of us here, we're going to fall in one of two categories. And like one category might be, we feel like our life is set. Like we, you know, we are already in our career. We don't see that changing, or maybe we're studying for the career that we're going to go into. And we're not really concerned about that. Maybe uh, we're in the retirement phase of our life. And, you know, we're not thinking about fulfilling a mission or, or maybe your full-time gig is called parenting. And like, that is your mission right now. And I get that. Or so, so you might be in this one spectrum where you feel like your life is locked in, or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum where you feel like life is too big for you to be locked in. And wherever you find yourself, it's safe to say that most of us don't think about living a life fulfilling a mission. Sometimes we're just trying to exist. We're just trying to make it from one day to the next. That's why I want to give you this frame to approach today and next week, because the essence of the series is this. I want to help you respond to the world with the heart of God. When we're talking about moved by mission, I want to help you respond to the world with the heart of God. Now, I realize even that statement might seem too big for you, or maybe it might seem too, too general for you, because how do you narrow down God's heart for the world? But we're going to break this idea into two parts. So today what we're going to look at is I, I want to focus on helping you respond. Today's all about the response. Next week, I'm going to answer the question, what is God's heart for the world? So you got to come both weeks. Like if you just come today and you don't come next week. That's like going to a movie and walking out halfway. You don't know how everything comes together. So you got to come next week. But you can think of today as like an overview. And next week, we're going to get real practical. And 
the text I want to look at today, it's one I've been waiting to preach for a while. Kind of the, the genesis of this series. It's about two years ago. I had this, this concept for this message. And it, it really came from this phrase that is all throughout the Gospels. But this one particular phrase where it says, Jesus was moved with compassion. Have you ever heard that said before? We're going to look at that in a minute. In fact, six of Jesus' 33 miracles, what we see is that his compassion is mentioned as a factor. And so for about two years now, because uh, I came across this phrase and it was, it was during a time when I was just really compelled by this and, and seeing it show up in different places. For about two years, I've been like kind of collecting notes and, and writing down some thoughts. And I had this whole file folder, this digital file folder, about 10 pages of just things on, on this idea of Jesus moved with compassion. But as I was studying for this message, God began to show me some things. And it's like the way God gave it to me is different than how I expected. I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you before. I say sometimes I kind of think like preaching, it's almost like, like baking. And I don't know why, because I like do not bake, but my wife bakes a lot. And like sometimes you like you put it together and you kind of put all this stuff. And like the way it turns out, in a good way, it doesn't turn out like you expect, like it's better than what you expected. And so um, that, that, that's what this is. See, the word of God is alive and active. That's why it's so important when you approach God's word that you don't, you don't approach God's word. And for any Bible students out there, that you don't approach God's word uh, trying to proof text your preconceived ideas. You, you have to let God's word read you and you have to let God's word speak to you and you study to see what God's word says. And so I'm saying all that to say what I'm giving you is fresh today. This is something fresh. It's so fresh. It's still gooey in the center. And uh, so find in your Bibles, Mark chapter one, it's where we're going to begin. And uh, this, you are going to want to follow along in your Bibles. This, this is a, a, a Bible church. We love God's word. We believe the Bible and uh, we give out Bibles for, for free when you place your faith in Christ and make a fresh start. And if you don't have a Bible, I actually read the Bible on my phone 90% of the time on my iPad. There's a go to Bible.com and download a Bible app and you can follow along that way. But we're going to read this together in Mark chapter one. I'm reading from the NIV translation. And, and this is what it says. Mark chapter one, verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him talking about Jesus, begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean moved with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. This was a ceremonial custom thing that they had to do in order to, to be legally clean. It says, instead, he went out and began to talk freely Spreading the news, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Man, what a moment. I read this and I'm, I'm so amazed because I think about what it would have been like to be there. You see Jesus heal this man who we don't know how long he's had this disease, but it's powerful. And not just the fact that Jesus healed him, but the fact that he was moved with compassion to do it in a way that brought about this miracle. And so I'm calling this message today, 
if you're taking notes, more than a feeling, more than a feeling. And it's always my custom to pray. I know I need God's help when I get up here, and I believe you probably need God's help too. So if you would, would you just bow your head with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that your word gives light. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, God. And I ask that you would use me today to speak your words. Nobody needs my ideas or opinions and thoughts, but we all need to hear from you. So God, let your word go forth today. Let it illuminate our lives. Let it show us the places where we need to change. Let it reshape our thinking, God. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody who gives you that can say amen. Have you ever noticed that sometimes your feelings, well, you can't always trust your feelings. Put it that way. It's amazing how sometimes the things that I want to do aren't the things that I feel like doing. Sometimes the the things that I don't want to do are the things that I do feel like doing. And if you've ever felt that way, you're not alone. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that in Romans 7. He he said, I do the things I don't want to do, and what I don't want to (laughs) do, I end up doing. And he says, "It's, it's crazy being me. I can hardly live with myself. That's the words that he uses. Even like right now, it's funny to me how my feelings don't always match my mentality. Like sometimes, sometimes people ask me, you know, hey, do you get nervous when you get up to preach? I'm like, yes. Like I still, I still get nervous when I get up here. No, that's kind of crazy to me. I've been doing this for over 10 years. I can understand it like it was my first time, but I've been doing this. Maybe it's, you know, speaking for God. Maybe it's the way you look at me. I don't know, but I... I get nervous and uh, I'll never forget the first time, the first time I got up to preach uh, for Velocity, first time I got up to preach and I was so nervous and uh, Marissa sent me this text, you know, to encourage me. She's, she said, hey, I love you and, um, you know, don't try to be clever, funny or smart, just be you. <laughs> I wasn't sure, like, should I be encouraged or depressed at this? <laughs> Just be you. Don't, don't, be, don't, don't be something you're not. But it's, amazing. it's amazing how our feelings don't always line up with the things that we know we should do. Even, like, even the things that we're designed to do. And in Mark chapter 1, we not only see an example of Jesus' mission, but we get an exhibition of his feelings. That's what attracted me to this. Now, a little background on Mark. Mark is like the action book of the Gospels. Like Mark, he just moves through it so quick. Everything is urgent. In fact, this word uh, immediately appears 40 times in the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. That word only appears 12 other times in the entire New Testament. Mark was on mission. Mark was about the business. And Mark is interesting because he... He not only highlights Jesus' actions, also more than any other gospel writer, he highlights Jesus' emotions. I think that might be just a little like Bible trivia for you, because Mark's gospel, it's actually Peter's gospel. See, Mark was like an interpreter for Peter, 
and everything that Mark wrote down he got from Peter. Peter was the emotional disciple. So I can just imagine like when Peter's recounting the details to Mark, he's like, and then like Jesus, he was so upset at this moment. And then he cried like Peter's all in his feelings. But it's interesting to me going through Mark because this is one of Jesus' first miracles. But Mark doesn't really tell us a lot of details in this story. Like we don't even know this guy's name. <laughs> we, we, we know he's a leper but we don't know his name. Like, it'd be kind of nice. Like, we're just going to talk about somebody's identity by their issue. How would you like to just be known by your issue in the Bible? Well, even though we don't know this man's story, and it's not the only place the story appears. This story appears also in Matthew and Luke, and they're all kind of light on the details. But even though we don't know this guy's name, what we do know is a little bit about his situation. And we know that because we can read back in Leviticus. Leviticus, you're probably familiar with that book. It's that, it's that book where your yearly Bible plan normally stops. <laughs> Anybody else? Stops. <laughs> yeah. Isn't, we stop there because like Leviticus, it, it reads like a medical textbook. Sometimes it's kind of gross. And in Leviticus chapter 13, it's one of those chapters. There are 59 verses dedicated to leprosy. 59 verses dedicated to what you have to do to determine if you have a problem. Because see, like leprosy, it, it, it was a skin disorder, but it was also kind of a catch-all phrase. Because we think of leprosy, we, we should think of, of the typical, the medical term is Hansen's disease. And that's definitely what the Bible is talking about in this situation. But, but in the Bible, leprosy was a more inclusive phrase to just any kind of skin infection, scaling, disease, they would call it leprosy because they didn't really know what the source was. They could only look at the symptom. And so the, there's 59 verses that detail what you have to do to figure out if this person has leprosy or what the cause is. And I won't take time to read it to you, but a few other things it says, like a person with leprosy, they have to live alone. They have to live in isolation. A person with leprosy, they... They have to rip their clothes. They have to walk with ripped clothes because you, people need to know that you're a leper. We don't, don't want you getting too close to people. Uh, they have to stay on the outside. They, they have to let everybody know they're unclean by shouting unclean as they walk. Just imagine this. Like, really, the pain of leprosy is not physical. It's emotional. And I'm saying that to you so you can understand the significance when we read this story and it says, this man with leprosy came to him. I'm trying to paint the picture so that maybe you can feel what Jesus felt. They say that's the key to understanding, to feel what other people feel, to put yourself in their shoes. We call that empathy. A academics and scholars, I mean, you can look at all sorts of essays that will talk about empathy as is being one of the, there's, they say there's an empathy deficit. In fact, one president, one U.S. president said that empathy is the quality of character that can change the world. The idea being that we're not motivated to solve problems until we can feel the impetus of why it matters. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, 
I don't want to suggest to you today that empathy is wrong or, or even a wrong motive, but maybe it's, maybe it's just insufficient. Because what initially attracted me to this text and what caught my attention isn't what, when I said God changed it, it wasn't the thing that, that carried me through. Because as much as Jesus must have felt something in the moment, what stuck out to me is that the man with leprosy didn't. Go with me here for a minute. Do you ever feel, do you ever feel like there's a gap sometimes in your life? Like a gap between your ambitions and emotions. A, a, a gap between you and the goal. A, a gap between the things that you want to do and the person you want to be and how you feel. Like you just don't, you don't feel it. And see, what I noticed in this text is everything that this man had to overcome in the moment just to get his healing. Because for lepers, for lepers, there was always a gap. I mean, a, a literal gap between where they were and where they wanted to be. I, I talked about they had to live in isolation. I did a little more study. This is fascinating because lepers, they had to keep their distance. And do you want to know the, the minimum distance that they had to keep? from somebody? Six feet. It is the, the original social distancing. I'm not making that up. Six feet. Now, six feet was the minimum. If it was a windy day, like yesterday, the 150 feet. But they, the point is, they had to keep their distance. And for a leper, there was always this gap between where they were and where they wanted to be. And what's interesting, I told you a lot about leprosy. A lot of us think about it as a skin disease, but it's not really a skin disease. It's a nerve disease. It's a nerve disease. It shows up on the skin. But really, that's just a symptom. What looked like an infection is a result of not being able to feel. So you've got this guy that wants to be someplace where he can't be, but he doesn't feel. He's got no feeling. And he decides, you know, even though there's a gap between where I am and where I want to be, I'm going to move anyway, even though I don't feel it. He starts moving even though he has no feeling. Now, I want to pause for a moment because we're talking about how to respond with the heart of God. And in some ways, talking about how to respond with the heart of God doesn't really matter how this man responds, because that's kind of like how we respond. What really matters is how did Jesus respond? How did Jesus respond? And initially, this is what I want to talk about, because the way Jesus responded was full of feeling, full of feeling. Can you put that up on the screen? It says that he was, he was what's it say? says he was moved with compassion. Hold on, hold, wait, wait, go back. You had a different one up there. Are you guys playing games with me? <laughs> it says he was moved with compassion. I'm, I'm confused. Anybody have a Bible here? Somebody have a Bible? Somebody have a Bible? I, I need a, I don't trust the screen. I need to see a Bible. Somebody, hopefully somebody has a Bible in this church. I mean, all right, let's, let's hand it to me. We need to see this. We hand that to me. Okay. Man, this is, 
this is even, this is a velocity Bible. This is the authorized version. Okay. Let's see. A man, Jesus was indignant. I, I thought, I thought he was moved with compassion. See, this doesn't make sense to me because it made sense to me. It made sense. Does anybody's Bible say he was moved with compassion? Nobody, nobody's raising their hand for this one. It doesn't make sense. This is what messed me up this week. Because, see, when this was written, is a Hebrew concept written in the Greek language. And the way this concept is translated, well, there's some debate. Was he moved with compassion or was he indignant? Now, I'll give you a little, you don't need all the details. You can study it for yourself. But the, 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 the root of these words is connected because what they're really saying is that in this moment, the, the root of this move of compassion is talking about the intestines, the bowels. What it's saying is this moment was gut-wrenching. It was gut-wrenching. So <laughs> did he feel compassion in this moment or did he express anger, indignant? That's what it means. Angry, annoyed, frustrated, furious. This moment, what we know is that it was gut-wrenching. And this is what confused me because this story makes sense to me as long as Jesus was filled with compassion. But the moment it says he was angry, let's think about this. It says Jesus was indignant, so he healed him. Really? <laughs> I don't know what he was angry about. Some scholars say that he was angry because of the effects of sin. Some scholars say he was angry at the works of the devil. I think maybe he was just angry because this guy interrupted his sermon. I mean, that's what he said he was doing in the verses before. They said, my purpose is to preach the good news of the kingdom. And he's trying to, like, this is in my mind, like he's trying to preach. And this guy gets up and is like, oh, I need healing. He's like, you interrupted my sermon. That would make me angry. <laughs> he was angry. Scholars actually say that there's more textual evidence for being anger instead of compassion. Because in the next verse, verse 44, it says, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. I looked that up. You know what that means? It means to snort with anger. That's literally what it means. It's like Jesus said, just, just don't tell anybody, okay? That's, that's, that's what it means. So which was it? Was he compassionate or was he indignant? And I got to be honest with you. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what's the correct term. I looked at so many different text studies and commentaries looking at this text and why did they translate it this way? Was he angry or was he empathetic? I spent so much time focused on the feeling that I missed the message. Because I always read this text wrong. It's really not about compassion 
or indignation. Matthew and Luke, where the story appears, they don't even include his emotions. They skip right over that part. It's really about the man's question. Because I always read it like the man came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I know you can heal me, but do you want to? Do you want to? And if you read it like that, then the verse kind of reads like this. Jesus, I know you can heal me, but do you want to? And Jesus is like, okay, let me check. Oh, yeah, I got deep compassion for you. I want to. Or it could be like, Jesus, I know you can heal me, but do you want to? And he's like, I want to. And then he like does it. It doesn't really make sense. See, I always thought the guy was asking if Jesus wanted to heal him. He didn't ask if he wanted to. He asked if he was willing. Let me tell you something. There's a difference. I almost call this message where there's a will, there's a way. Because a will is different than a want to. A will is what you've decided. A will is a predetermined purpose. And I want you to see Jesus didn't heal this man because he felt like it. He healed him because it was his mission. And here's the key you need to grab hold of today. The way you respond to the world with the heart of God isn't with a feeling. It's with a choice. It's with a choice. You don't have to feel it to do it. It's more than a feeling. It's a mission. And a lot of us are missing the mission of Jesus because of our mood. We think we have to feel our way into an action. When I feel ready to get baptized, that's when I'll be ready. When I feel ready to serve, that's when I'll serve. When I feel passionate about this injustice issue, that's when I'll respond. And many times we stay on the outskirts because we lack feeling. Like this man, this leper, become numb. And here's the problem. When you become numb, you can be hurt and not feel it. See, that, that's the crazy thing about leprosy is that it wouldn't kill you. You just kind of exist with it. It wouldn't kill you, but it wouldn't end either. You, you just exist in the state of not really ever improving, just this slow decay because you lost your ability to feel. And here's the challenge for everybody here today. The challenge is to not let your lack of feeling dictate your obedience. This man couldn't feel, but he moved anyway. And Jesus didn't heal him because he felt like it. He moved because it was his mission. Some of the best decisions in your life will be decisions that you don't feel like making. I told you this was like kind of the gospel of Peter. I was thinking about how one time Peter and many times, but one time in my mind, how Peter had a decision he probably didn't feel like making. You know, when Jesus first met Peter, he was still Simon then. It said that he had been fishing all night and Jesus went to him and he said, hey, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat? Now, Jesus is not a fisherman. Peter was. Peter's been fishing all night. <laughs> Peter knows what he's doing. 
He says, Master, we've labored all night. In other words, I don't feel like doing this. Nevertheless, at your word. And he let down his nets. See, sometimes the best decisions in your life will be decisions you make that you don't feel like making. In fact, you might want to just write this down. When, when somebody asks you to do something that you don't feel like doing, maybe just write this down, make it just write WTF, question mark. Just WTF, why trust feelings? What did you think I was talking about? Just, come on, guys, we're in church. Just WTF, just send it to somebody. Why trust feelings? Because your feelings are fickle. And you might be missing out on something that God has called you to do simply because you don't feel like it. I had so much more I want to say, but I'll just say this. Jesus didn't heal this man because, he, because of a feeling. He did it because it was his mission. And at the end of the story, what's interesting is he not only healed the man, but he traded places with him. He traded places with him. Did you notice that? That at the, the last verse in there, verse 45, it says, he told this man, don't say anything. But this man instead went out, began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. See, this is the gospel in this message that Jesus didn't just heal this man, but he took his place. Here's what I would want to tell you for everybody here, regardless what you're going through, regardless what you're feeling, some of the best decisions you can make might be decisions that you don't feel like making. But the gospel in this message is that Jesus didn't just heal this man, but he traded places.